It's Tuesday, January 10th, and don't tell them that the worst is over. We start here. As hospitalizations continue to strain the system, thousands of New York nurses walk off the job. They gave us fake silver dollar coins that said COVID heroes, and they still refused to staff us. Why they say their working conditions have become nothing short of sickening. Where have I heard this before? A president didn't keep tabs on classified documents? Why weren't they handed over to the National Archives sooner? But experts say this could shed more light on Donald Trump than it does on Joe Biden. And should your employer be able to dictate where you work after you leave? The use of non-competes actually lowers wages for everybody because they are so pervasive. The Federal Trade Commission wants to change the contracts of millions of workers. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. Across the country, Americans have spent the last year describing getting back to normal, right? Less focus on the COVID-19 pandemic, stepping away from vaccine requirements, little emphasis on masking, even in cities like New York, where even more relaxed guidelines from the CDC currently recommend everyone masking indoors right now. You would not know that was the official guidance based on many words of local officials. After all, they want to get back to normal. There's just one problem. In terms of the pandemic, we are not necessarily back to normal unless the new normal is a jetliner's worth of Americans dying every day from a disease that did not exist a few years ago. And even if we decided that is the new normal, it means some parts of American life will never be the same. Nursing is a prime example. Did they have to work overtime? Yes. Did they have to work on a number of patients? At the peril of patients? Yes. And at the peril of themselves? Yes. Whatever you thought a nurse did before the pandemic, well, we've seen that job description change in front of our eyes. The job is tougher, the risks are higher, and even if the pay is decent, going back to normal might not seem like an option. Well, yesterday in New York, in one of the largest organized walkouts by healthcare workers in this country's history, thousands of nurses went on strike. Management should be ashamed of themselves. 500 plus vacancies is utterly ridiculous. Enough is enough, Sinai. Enough is enough. ABC's Eva Pilgrim spent much of the day camped out outside these hospitals. Eva, you know, how widespread has this strike become? Do hospitals just not have nurses right now? At the hospitals, it's completely crazy outside of them right now. The nurses are standing out there on the picket line, uh, making lots of noise with all kinds of signs, supporting each other. The signs have everything from jokes that they have about pizza, because apparently pizza is the thing that they're given to say thank you. You know, especially the hospital administration, they're like, oh, thank you guys, thank you, thank you, thank you, but where is that now? Well, do you hear us now, Sinai? They're kind of in a celebratory mood because they feel the support of each other, but also, you know, showing the vast number of them and that they have a voice when they come together this way. These hospitals are showing that all they care about is profits, but we are no longer treating patients like transactional items. Us being out here means that we're willing to stay out here until however long it takes. Um, And they're hoping that this time someone listens to them. Well, and like most strikes generally end up boiling down to one thing, and that's 
better pay, right? And yet here, the nurses say they turned down a package that would have included higher wages. So what are they asking for and how is it different from what they're getting right now? Well, the hospitals are seeing definitely a a staffing shortage. They're understaffed. But the nurses that they do have say that they're overworked and overstressed on the shifts that they're on because they don't have the staff to cover them. Masana Hospital has over 500 nursing vacancies! The ratio of the patient and the nurse is much higher than it's been. And it's been that way since COVID started, and it just hasn't stopped. The The original ask was for better wages, uh, better health care for the nurses because they are at risk because of where they work, and then also better working conditions. The hospitals have come back with an offer that does include better pay, 19.1% over a time period increase in wage. That is a huge increase in wage. And these nurses have turned that down because the thing that they tell me is the sticking point for them are the safety issues for their patients. We want to tell everyone this is not about the wages. We want safe staffing. They are worried about patients being taken care of in a way that they think is adequate care, and they want those ratios to be lowered. That's what is the sticking point at this point, is the staffing ratios. Yeah, we want staffing ratios, and we want the hospital responsible when they don't meet those ratios. I spoke with a NICU nurse who says that there are days that she's taking care of four or five NICU babies. It's an intensive care unit, and they're babies. They're tiny. That's a highly skilled job. Why should our babies suffer at the hands of the hospital when it comes to staffing? When you look at what those ratios should be for safe practices, there's really not a standard out there in the country. There's only one state, California, that has guidelines written into law. The NICU standard that they have is one nurse for every two NICU babies. And so what these nurses are asking for is for that language to be explicitly written into their contracts and for it to be enforceable. They want actual teeth to the agreement when it comes to those staffing ratios. I don't believe that there's a shortage of nurses. I just think nurses don't want to work in environments like this anymore. And in the meantime, I'm wondering about like the day to day consequences of the strike for patients. Like, are there people who like when they walk into the hospital right now, who deals with them? Is it like doctors working overtime? What happens? So, you know, with a lot of these hospitals, they've brought in some traveling nurses. They had the nurses that were already on staff beginning to train those traveling nurses in advance in anticipation that the strike could happen. They've also moved their most vulnerable patients out of some hospitals into other hospitals uh, just to be careful. Some NICU patients were moved. Surgeries that were supposed to happen that could be rescheduled were rescheduled, things like that, because they knew that the hospital would be strained. And and you got to remember, we're in the middle of a triple-demic where right. we're seeing the number of people in hospitals higher and it's rising and the hospitals are busy. So having to move these people to other places, I mean, it's really putting a strain on the system. Wow. And then I'm thinking, uh, I keep thinking about how this sounds so similar to some other professions. Like uh, we've seen flight attendants say their job has never been tougher. We've seen uh, teachers quitting at, at alarming rates because this has just been like the worst few years of their lives. It does, you know, it also strikes me that many of these are female-led professions, childcare workers. Um, I guess I'm wondering, like, do these nurses see sort of the very job description, the very cost-benefit analysis that they do as workers and that society does? Like, how much do we feel like we need nurses, a certain number of nurses at our local hospital? 
is that shifting? They always talk about how everyone cheered for them every night at seven o'clock here in New York City. You would hear the pots and the pans banging and the people hanging out of their window cheering for the healthcare workers. But now they gave us fake silver dollar coins that said COVID heroes and they still refuse to staff us. If you go into a hospital and you need care, the person you're going to interface with the most is a nurse. And they're overwhelmed and they feel like they're overworked and they feel like they can't give each patient the best version of themselves because they're spread so thin. The hospitals say they've you know, done a lot to give them some of these concessions, but they're at an impasse at the moment. Um, the last I talked with some of the people who were at the negotiating table, there were no plans to negotiate again. Yeah, and of course, when there's fewer nurses on staff, the people who often pick up the slack, not necessarily other staff members, but families themselves spending so much time and resources and emotional stress just trying to make sure their loved ones are looked after. Uh, Eva Pilgrim, thank you so much. Thank you. Next up on Start Here, the DOJ is investigating why a president might have left classified documents in an unsecure location. We're not talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about Joe Biden. It's on the other side of the break. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor, you know the type, like I've had this person before, that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash start here. ZocDoc.com slash start here. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more or I'd read a book or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. It was a busy day in Washington yesterday. 
First of all, President Biden wasn't even in Washington. He was making a visit to Mexico City to talk to his counterpart, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, about migration and drug trafficking. He clearly recognizes that they need more resources, and he's going to be saying it here in Mexico, but certainly when he gets back to Washington. Back uh, at the Capitol, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy presided over his first big House vote with him in charge. This was a rules package that included all the stuff he promised Republican detractors during his speakership vote. The A's are 220. The nays are 213. The resolution is agreed to. So now under these rules, a single member of Congress can seek to have him ousted from power. But on a practical level, McCarthy's concessions last week will have a real effect on what the House does for the next couple of years. The House Freedom Caucus will have more members on key committees. And those members have said openly they want to spend more time investigating President Biden for a number of reasons. And that was all before we learned last night that the Department of Justice is now reviewing what are said to be classified documents found at President Biden's old offices. ABC's Catherine Falders joins us from the Capitol right now. Catherine, for the last several months, you were covering why classified documents were sitting around Mar-a-Lago. Now we learn classified documents were found at a think tank where President Biden went after serving as VP. Yeah, Brad. So this is according to the White House. They have said uh, last night that they have found these documents. They found classified documents. It was while they were clearing out office space. But I think the thing that we don't know is exactly what were these documents? Why were they found? uh, And all that. But look, it's interesting because within an hour of this story breaking and us learning about this, Republicans already on Capitol Hill are saying, look, we need to look into this. Why can this happen to President Biden and and President Trump? Mm. What's the double standard? Standard. That's the word, uh, essentially, that I've been uh, hearing up here, that there's this there's this double standard, right? I was just speaking to Jim Jordan last night. He's the incoming chair of the Judiciary Committee. He was saying, look, we don't know what these documents are, but uh, it seems kind of fishy in a way that uh, this is coming out as it relates to Biden. And, oh, they did this to to the former president. They, they raided his house. Like when Trump does it, people want to indict him. And he's saying, like, well, is, what, when Biden does it, it's no big deal? Exactly. And... And again, we don't know what was found, but the big difference here, Brad, in terms of what we actually know so far about this is is who did the reaching out. And what I mean by that is when Biden's lawyers found these documents, they say that that very day that they found them, they let the proper people know. They told the National Archives. DOJ was was involved and they're looking into it. Attorney General Merrick Garland has appointed the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, John Lausch, to conduct a review of this matter. Uh, He was appointed by President Trump. In the case of Trump, Trump took the documents to Mar-a-Lago, and there was this back and forth privately between investigators and Trump's lawyers where he was refusing to, to turn over these documents because he claimed that they were his. The unhinged persecution of me and my staff, and they go into people that know me and they threaten them with jail time. Unless you say something bad about Trump, they're threatening them. And then there were court battles about it and he turned them over and then and then uh, some of them and then they found out that there were more documents still down there. And to this day, investigators can't be totally sure that they have all the documents that Trump uh, allegedly took. But I guess I'm wondering, Catherine, like how common is it for documents in general like this to be lying around? Like if it's not a big deal, if this is not that uncommon to have all of a sudden find classified documents sitting in an old office, like that in itself does seem like a problem, right, in in general. Yeah, uh, having classified documents is a big deal. 
The government treats this uh, very seriously, regardless, you know, if you're an employee and you accidentally pack up for the night and you bring a classified document with you and you say, oh, my gosh, you get you get home and you see it and you bring it back to work. Um, you still have to go through a, a review process, right, about why you accidentally got that document, why it was in your possession, even if, uh, you know, there was no wrongdoing involved. The government still takes that very seriously. So no question uh, to have classified documents. You, you want to make sure, uh, you know, I think the Biden lawyers say that they were locked, which was good. We know that Trump's weren't locked until they were. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it does raise a lot of questions about um you know, how how they got there and all that. But I will say when you're moving out um, of the White House, and, and we talked a lot about this with Trump, there is this process that you go through with the GSA, the Government Services Administration, just with a long list of the documents that you're giving back to the archives and, and you know, what boxes you're handing over, for, for example. So it is a big deal to have classified documents. I think the big questions, the outstanding questions right now are one, what was in those documents? And two, why weren't they handed over to the National Archives sooner? All right. Really helpful here, keeping this all in perspective. Uh, Catherine Falders at the Capitol right now. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brad. Most Americans don't spend a ton of time talking about the Federal Trade Commission. Its mission is to protect consumers from companies. Think of cracking down on scam telemarketing calls or false advertising. Part of its job is also guarding against monopolies, companies that get so big they stifle competition. Well, when President Biden took office, he installed a new head of the FTC. Her name is Lena Khan. And if you're against monopolies, you might know Lena Khan is no joke. She spent most of her professional life saying loudly new rules need to be enacted for big companies, specifically tech companies, saying they're not being held responsible enough in the 21st century. Well, recently, the FTC under Lena Khan took on a new issue, one that has to do with competition, but a different type of competition. So non-compete clauses today govern around one in five U.S. workers. Lena Khan is now openly calling for the end of something called a non-compete clause. And when I heard this, I was shocked. Like, I have a non-compete clause in my contract. It's very much part of the American business landscape, as in you think your employee might zoom off to a competitor at some point, so you make them sign on the dotted line that they won't do that for at least a set period of time. So what happens if that all goes away? Sarah Miller is the executive director of the American Economic Liberties Project, which describes itself as a nonprofit, nonpartisan group dedicated to fighting monopolies. So very much in line with Lena Khan's views. And Sarah, you've applauded this move. Why? Absolutely. So last week, the FTC proposed a new rule that would ban, full stop, non-compete agreements in employment contracts. So non-compete agreements uh, apply to roughly 30 million Americans. That's one in five workers. And originally they were conceived of to apply to kind of very senior level executives who might have access to proprietary or sensitive information. But today they really proliferated and become an incredibly common part of an employment contract. Our economists calculated that collectively American workers are earning around $300 billion less less because of these non-competes. They tend to bind workers to jobs and prohibit them from really selling their labor into a competitive labor market. And so that sort of kind of anti-competitive impact in the labor market is part of what FTC Chair Lena Khan is taking aim at. 
Yeah, that's interesting, this idea that it's not just people that have like big time company secrets. I mean, how far down the food chain are we talking here? Who has non-competes? So that's something that we're going to, I think, get a much fuller picture of during the kind of 60 day comment period that the FTC has just opened. You're working for uh, Subway and you can't walk across the street and uh, uh, go to Jimmy John's and get a 20 cent raise. We know from anecdotal experience and from talking to working people all around the country that non-competes have applied to everyone from employees at fast food chains like Jimmy John's who make sandwiches, to janitors, to engineers, to journalists, to fitness instructors. It really is an incredibly pervasive part of employment clauses now, like I said. And that has a real cost because what happens when you are essentially bound to a job is you aren't able to compete with your labor. So you can't, say, move to a job that pays better. You can't leverage another offer at another firm to increase your salary at, you know, your existing firm. Do these agreements block millions of retail workers, construction workers, and other working folks from taking better jobs? The FTC estimates that eliminating non-compete non-competes would add about $300 billion cumulatively to workers' wages. That's an increase of 3 or 4%. So we are talking about a significant kind of drain on the pocketbooks of millions and millions of working people from these non-compete agreements. So, I mean, that's what the FTC says, is that you'd see all this sort of economic growth. You've also seen U.S. Chamber of Commerce immediately came in and said, this is terrible. In fact, it gives less security to everyone. It means that companies won't feel as confident when they're offering contracts in the first place. They'll actually make less hiring. It'll hamstring the entire, not just, they say, not just the entire business community, but also workers themselves, since companies won't be as likely to offer that job in the first place. I mean, what, what what's your response to that? I couldn't disagree more with that assessment from the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, what we are arguing here is that workers deserve a free market for labor. Workers should be able to start new firms if they have a good idea. And there really shouldn't be these kind of artificial constraints put on the labor market through the use of non-compete agreements. They're simply and kind of on their face very unfair. And we think that this will create a much more dynamic environment in general when it comes to economic growth by freeing up working people to take the job that's right for them, to start a new business and serve consumers in a new or different way, and to increase economic and business dynamism in the U.S., which has really been on a pretty significant decline over the past 30 or 40 years. Well, can I ask you about the other big criticism of this? Is that, I mean, can the FTC even do this? I mean, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce also said this is just blatantly unlawful. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had an editorial calling this an air kiss to unions because, namely, You'd have to tear up, if you were getting rid of this right now, you'd have to tear up millions and millions of people's contracts. Is that possible? Is that feasible? And is that legal? I think the FTC has clear authority to make this move. I mean, most of the workers that are subject to non-competes are not unionized. So I would take issue with the categorization of this as an air kiss in general. But what we have seen and what research bears out is that the use of non-competes actually lowers wages for everybody because they are so pervasive, because they put such a chill on the labor market that even if you are not subject to a non-compete yourself, there are jobs that should be available to you that you could compete for that are not available because they are so pervasive across the economy. Oh, and, and like 
you don't put in a non-compete, great, well, we'll just pay you $10,000. Like that's seen as a favor to the employee all of a sudden. Yes, exactly. And so I think that the FTC has authority from Congress to prohibit unfair methods of competition. That authority, I think, applies in this case. The name of these agreements are non-competes, right? So if the FTC's mission, if part of its mission is to address uh, kind of anti-competitive practices, I think this falls clearly in the purview of that authority. Yeah, and I don't think I quite knew until now how many states, there are actually several states that have instituted their own types of non-compete clause bans, but a lot of those states just ban them for, you know, retail jobs or, you know, lower on the totem pole jobs. This would actually go much further than that, and federal law supersedes state law. So this would be very ambitious, if nothing else, very ambitious move here from Lena Khan. Uh, Sarah Miller from the American Economic Liberty Project. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, one more quick break. When we return, two words for you, flying cars. One last thing is next. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And one last thing. As a nation, we have always been obsessed with flying cars. It's like a constant theme going back to the Jetsons. Meet George Jetson. Then all the way through Blade Runner 2049. Think about it. At this point in our history, we've got gadgets the Jetsons could have never foreseen. And yet, this vision of humans driving themselves around in the sky has never faded from our imaginations. Well, not only could flying cars finally be on the way, but some local governments are actively planning for them. That is the sound of a small single-person aircraft called a Jetson 1. That's right, the company that makes them in Sweden is called Jetson. And if you're trying to picture this, imagine a drone that's big enough to carry a human. You know in a drone, all those horizontal propellers on the four corners? That there is what's creating the lawnmower sound. Tons of these horizontal propellers lifting a grown man in one seat about 10 feet off the ground, kicking up a ton of dust before he goes fluttering down the road. Jetson says that is the future of commuting. No traffic jams on highways, no need for roads at all, really. A promotional video shows a rider hurtling through a forest at a top speed of 60 miles an hour. Of course, if this actually works, it's not like there would be no traffic. There would just be traffic high above our heads. Which makes you wonder, how would you even regulate that? A world where everyone is a pilot. Jetson says one of its first customers is located in Charlottesville, Virginia. Other nearby cities have been approached by aerospace consultants, warning them about an oncoming demand for vertiports, which would host so-called air taxis. Maybe a roof on a tall building downtown would be the home of your town's vertiport. You can scoff, I did, but say this is the future. City officials could not afford to ignore this. And so, across Virginia right now, city planners, the FAA, and the Virginia Department of Aviation are quietly holding forums to figure out the new rules of the road. Would I even call them the rules of the road? Like, that's the first thing they should figure out at these meetings. Like, what do we even say here? Not even flying cars, really. They don't have wheels. They're just flying flyer things. Also, I'm shocked at how tiny these vehicles are. Jetson 1, less than 200 pounds, currently supports 20 minutes of flight time, and it costs nearly $100,000. So I'm building out my Christmas list right now. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow. 
Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.